Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Gonzaga Nation podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Christian Pedersen, joined, as always, by the sun around which the Gonzaga Nation universe revolves. Dan Dickow, the creator <laughs> of all content we've got. Dan, thank you very much for joining us. Let's get it going. We've got a couple of great topics, too. A little bit on the uh, Gonzaga side, a little bit on the Gonzaga alumni side. Let's start with the first thing that we we had an article published about Coach Few being ranked a, quote, tier one coach by The Athletic. And I am curious, just your general reaction to the the, the, the nod to Coach Few and uh, what you think it means for the season right now. I mean, I think it's great. I, I think it's well, I mean, this isn't a like a coach of the year award, but this is, you know, an article where someone took a lot of time to kind of break down um, you know, the strengths and possible weaknesses of a lot of really good coaches across the country um, that are running different, really good programs. And, uh, you know, the fact that Coach Few is is included in that tier one list, I completely agree with it. Um, you know, I, I think the tier one level has shifted a couple years, a, a little bit in, in recent years, simply because Coach K is retired. Roy Williams is retired. Jay Wright has retired. You know, those three were kind of like godfathers of college basketball over the last 20, 25 years, especially Coach K and Krzyzewski. When I when I look at what a tier one coach is, I look at the fact that they have they're they're running a, a high powered program that typically seems to meet expectations or exceed expectations year in and year out and have a chance to compete for league titles, advance deep in the NCAA tournament, and hopefully play for national titles. You know, in my mind, Coach Few definitely hits that bill. Tom Izzo hits that bill. Calipari hits that bill. Although, you know, there's been some chinks in the armor in K Kentucky world the last few years. Bill Self hits that world. Um, you know, I, I think uh, an underrated coach, that I think is a coach at that level is Mick Cronin of UCLA. Um, he hits that. He fits that bill in my eyes. I think Scott Drew at Baylor fits that bill. Uh, Rick Pitino, obviously, you know, uh, you know, it, the demise of his career at Louisville kind of put some doubt. But when he came back and what he did at Iona, really kind of reshined, repolished his pedigree, and it's going to be really fascinating to see what he does. Uh, this season at St. John's now that he's at a, you know, a premier program. But, you know, I think Coach Few absolutely fits into tier one. You talk about some of those big signature names, faces of the game, if you will, retiring over the last couple of years. And then you rattle off Coach Few amongst, you know, a list of you probably came up with about a dozen or so coaches in that last roundup. I'm curious, are you kind of saying that Coach Few is now one of the faces of college basketball, like the undisputed, I like identifiable people of college basketball? Oh, 100%, without a doubt. You know, I mean, it, again, there's been a, there's always a changing of the guard in sports with your players as well as with your coaches and the style uh, that the coaches implement to the game and and coach few is, is at the forefront of that you know being creative on the offensive end being one of the first schools to go to continuity ball screen offenses while you still kind of implement a lot of the staples that 
were a part of your success early on. And by that, I mean, your high low offense um, and, and your transition getting out and run. But I mean, he's been as creative as any coach, especially over the last 10, 12 years of, of, of you know, implementing that European style to the college game and having success with it. Um, you know, the, the changing of the guard, I, those three coaches I mentioned, we, I didn't even mention Jim Beheim. I mean, I don't know if I would call him a tier one coach, even when Syracuse won a national title or two, because, and I know you're a Syracuse guy, because they had some bad years mixed in with some great years. Part of being a tier one coach is that your team is consistently at an extremely high level competing for titles. Yeah, Beheim at best was a tier one antagonist to everybody else in the college world with his implementation of the zone and steadfast reliance upon his own children. Um, you mentioned coach K. I just, I, I say this in jest, but um, do you think that if coach few is filling the role of coach K, there comes a season where coach few uh, appears with mysteriously jet black hair. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that one's going to happen, but you know, to kind of keep on the topic of, of tier one, I mean, when you look at, uh, his role with USA basketball this past year at the world uh, at the world cup. And then what his role will be next year with USA basketball being one of the floor coaches, assistant coaches at the Olympics that shows you just how much respect um, the world of basketball and the powers that be at the highest level believe in coach few and his talents. I mean uh, you know, for many years, you know, when, after 88, 1988, and the U.S. lost in the Olympics to Russia, USSR, uh, and they allowed the pros to come in, and Chuck Daly ran the team, they they had college coaches mixed in with the pro coaches uh, because of the rules differences in international basketball and the NBA. And a lot of times college coaches are a great bridge between that FIBA game and the NBA game. So when you look at the co the coaching staffs that USA basketball has traditionally put together for these, you know, uh, the larger international events, your world cups um, and, and your Olympics, you're going to have NBA coaches interspersed with, with, college coaches obviously we know coach k was the head coach as a college coach with the the usa basketball senior men's team uh for a couple different goals but i think by the fact that coach few is so dialed in now to usa basketball that shows you the level of respect um and that he's an absolute tier one coach and he should be in everyone's eyes dan a couple of weeks ago on the show you talked about chet holmgren being your maybe sneaky pick for NBA rookie of the year. And he is already setting team records. He had seven blocks in a game for the thunder a couple of days or recently, um, depending upon, or a long time ago, uh, depending upon how long you are stumbling across this in our podcast feed. Um, but Chet Holmgren already setting team rookie records feels like the right steps along the path that your prediction is still going to come true. Your reaction to what Chet's been up to. I mean, he looks the same as he did at Gonzaga, maybe even a little bit more fluid and mobile with his movement. So it shows you that, you know, that I don't think that foot injury um, is going to be a long term uh, kind of negative to his career. I think on all honesty, it might be a benefit. It gave him time to, you know, learn the NBA game with no pressure on him. 
just get healthy. And now by the fact that he's coming into the NBA in a year where Victor Wembanyama has the number one pick being talked about as a, a legacy type player is going to have all the, the attention in the world and the pressure on him to perform. It allows Chet to kind of slide in with, with under the radar, so to speak uh, opportunities and just be himself. And that Oklahoma city team is, is really structured in a way that it, I think it gives him a lot of ability to be versatile and score on many different uh, areas of the floor. And defensively, he just cleans up so many things. Uh, I think it's been a tremendous start for for his rookie season. Um, and again, Victor Wembanyama, he's a tremendous player, but he is playing with so much attention on him. It's got to be difficult where for, for Chet, he can just go out and play because he's also at this moment in time, he's not the face of an organization. If you look at OKC, Shy Gilgis Alexander is that guy. And then you've also got a couple other really good, young, talented players that he can grow along with. And so I, I think it's it's primed and it's set up perfectly for Chet Holmgren to have a great year. So to just put to put this blocks thing, though, in perspective, Dan, does the date of February 3rd, 2003 mean anything to you? Yeah. <laughs> uh... That was the night that you had your career NBA. Oh, high in yeah, Blackhawks. I had two blocks against the Golden State Warriors. And oddly enough, they were both against Earl Boykins, who was five foot five. So <laughs> uh, I think I might have had five career blocks and two of them came in that game. If you got the stats in front of you, what, what, what was it? Uh, let me scroll down to career. Or where's career? Um, I, it's got to be single digits. I was a contestant. Don't let my guy get four, the rebound. I see four career. But yeah, so two in one game uh, for, for Dick out. Like, so and, they shorted yeah. me. I, I swear I had five career blocks. Uh, Happened so infrequently, I remember. Looking, I'm probably just looking at individual stats for seasons. I'll, I will not bore people's time as I uh, – <laughs> filibuster to try and find the right basketball reference page but yeah two first to set like that shows kind of this is that's an insane night and i absolutely love seeing that he looks i mean i think modern medicine is starting to get athletes back quicker stronger better and so yeah like you said i don't think this injury is going to linger and last state talk about modern medicine injuries i mean aaron Rodgers is back lightly throwing the football what that's seven weeks after tearing his achilles that's amazing I mean, I did that. I was back uh, playing full court five on five in roughly seven, six and a half, seven months, which was very quick. But I mean, I wasn't moving the way he was seven, eight weeks after surgery. Well, I think uh, we saw it maybe uh, this is weird using football injury recoveries instead of basketball, like analogies on this, but football does seem to lead on some of these people wanting to go out and try new procedures and try new things to get back quicker and more aggressively. And I think you saw it also with ACLs kind of happen where Adrian Peterson five or six years ago, everyone's like, Oh my gosh, he came back so quick. But then it was like, also, yeah, Hey, some of the techniques have upgraded and changed yeah. since the initial concept of all these surgeries. And so if Aaron Rodgers figures out how to come back quicker, maybe it's freak athlete, but also it's maybe it's just a sign of like, we're getting better at treating some of this stuff. Um, and I think that that bodes really well because you see a lot of big guys suffering with feet injuries and knee injuries and back injuries, and the NBA is brutal on some of those bodies. So if we can keep them healthier longer, that's awesome. That's a better product for everybody to enjoy. 
Yeah, let's get rid of load management, though. That's for sure. That's an issue. That that's a whole nother topic that we could go on with for you know a good twenty minutes. That load management in the NBA, in my eyes, is just garbage. Get rid of it. Yeah, I mean, I I'm with you, man. I think that it <laughs> it seems doable. A lot of this um, staying in the pros. People want to talk about Corey Kispert a little bit more than we have previously. He is having a silently uh, hot start with the Washington Wizards this year. Your thoughts? Well, it's third year in the league, and typically that's when the game slows down for a lot of people um, and you get comfortable. I, I've always said, unless you're a complete outlier, it takes three years at any level, high school, college, or the NBA and the pros, to really kind of understand the game because they're all different. Um, you know, Realize what your current skill set is and where it fits, where you need to improve, what you need to continue to refine as your true strengths and then focus on those to really kind of make those uh, stand out and give yourself the ability to, to have a long career. Corey's standout ability is obviously the ability to shoot the ball. But I think what he's starting to show in, at the NBA level, and he did it in the in the college game, you know, his last two years at Gonzaga, his unbelievable timing of cuts on the weak side. You know, it, it, defense turns his head. He makes a great back cut or or he makes a cut in front of the defense. Say if the his defender goes down to double, you know, he's really starting to get a good feel for, for cutting uh, and giving himself opportunities. The other area that I think he's improved and he showed this his senior year uh, at Gonzaga is just playing out of a pick and roll. You don't have to be a, quote, point guard maestro with a pick and roll to be good in the pick and roll. You just have to come off, read it, and understand what your options are. Quick throw to the weak side. Maybe it's a, a pocket pass. Maybe it's a hook pass. It's a jump stop, swivel, hit the roll guy. Or if the, the, if the ability to turn a corner presents itself, make the correct read. And Corey's showing the ability that, you know, you're not going to, you know, run pick and roll after pick and roll after pick and roll for him. But when he gets presented with pick and rolls, he's showing that he can quickly make the right decision to make make the right read. And that simplifies the game uh, a ton for him. And I think, again, it goes back to your third year in the league. You're understanding it. Uh, the game slows down a little bit. And so it's been great to see his start with the Wizards. Now, I will say this. The Wizards aren't very good, so he's going to have a ton of options. So what happens? Does he become a trade target for a better team middle of the year where some team says, hey, we need another outside shooter? Does he fit the profile of that? He's got good size. He understands the game. He can shoot it. He could become very valuable around that trade deadline uh, for, for a contending team. That feels like as good of a spot as you can be in is be the one that they want to pick up from the team that nobody cares about at that point in the season <laughs> um, and jump from a last to first type of situation. There's always one guy in every sport that makes that jump. That sounds awesome to close out the loop. Yes, Dan, five career blocks. I, I was reading the wrong column as I was scrolling down. So my man, appreciate you clarifying. Uh, yo, dude, I've got your back on that. man. <laughs> two, two blocks. It's already two more than I've ever had the NBA, let alone five blocks. And I do not want to shortchange you a single one of those. If you guys want to find more of this, follow us and subscribe to Gonzaga Nation, wherever you get your podcast, follow at Fan Nation Zags. Dan, anything that we missed, or can we say goodbye to everybody? Well, here's the thing. Games start this week, so uh, it's hard to believe. We are, we're recording this before uh, Halloween, 
it'll probably uh, release maybe today or on Halloween day. But I mean, Friday, November 3rd, you got your first Gonzaga game. It's not a counter. It's an exhibition game against Lewis and Clark State. But that means Gonzaga basketball is here. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know that we're going to bring you all the content, all the insight, whether it's online with our, our journalists, Henry Kruger and Cole Forsman, or don't forget the show Talking Zags with Adam Morrison and I. Um, we're actually going to sit down later today with former Gonzaga player Rob Sacre and break down his career, what he's doing now, which I think some people will be interested in, and hear what his thoughts might be about this year's team. Please tell Rob I say what's up. Uh, well, the studio content that they're creating is absolutely fantastic. You guys need to go check everything out. So like I said, find us on the socials at Fan Nation Zags, and that'll direct you to everywhere that you need to go. Until next time, we'll talk to you guys soon.